I'm Colleen, and this podcast is an inside look at recovery, which I define as a lifelong journey to get out of your own way and become your own best friend. Join me for mindset upgrades that move you from worry and regret to resilience and confidence. I'll share easy strategies for how to feel better without having to make major changes. Because it's not what you do, it's who you are. Self-care is the path to recovery because our needs are not negotiable. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to talk about the power of words. I had some working titles for this. I actually did a Facebook poll because titles are everything on a podcast. Uh, if you don't like the title, then uh, nobody's going to listen to it. And I had an episode, I don't know which one it is, um, episode like somewhere between four and six. And I'll tell you the current title and then you can go look for it if you want. But my first title on it was uh, how to how to manage your crazy thoughts. And I checked the stats on that at one point and it was at like 12, 12, 12 people listen to that. So at first you're tempted to be like, oh, that episode must suck. No, no, because the podcast episode stats uh, register if anybody listens to it longer than one minute, it counts as a download. So it, the, if I only had 12 downloads, the only thing that tells me is that my title um, isn't any good. So let me just tell you, I changed the title from how to, how to manage our crazy thoughts to am I the asshole because I follow that on Reddit and it's freaking hilarious. And I actually say that in the episode because um, I'm breaking down and kind of role modeling uh, my thought processes of dealing with a conflict with my husband that's kind of trivial and it's not super personal, it's just funny. And I changed the title to, am I the asshole? And four days later I checked it and it had 400 downloads. So, (laughs) you know, and this is a new podcast, that's a pretty big showing um, for a, a, a single episode over the course of four days. So. Anyway, uh, I don't even know as I'm speaking like what the title of this episode is. I just hope I hit it. Um, And if I didn't, I'll just go back and change it because uh, you can do that with podcasts, which is awesome. But in this episode, I'm going to talk about um, the power of the words that go through our mind and the power that you have to change the way you feel and to change how you act upon the world and creating your own life by noticing the thoughts that you have in your head, okay? And replacing them. See, the problem that we all think is that our thoughts just are a reflection of what we think. We equate thinking with being and we take our opinions so damn seriously. And we don't understand that our thoughts are a tool And we just have never been taught how to use the tool. So we're showing up trying to hammer everything, not realizing we actually have an infinite Swiss army knife. So the superpower here is that you have to realize that you are not your thoughts. You are the thinker of your thoughts. Most of your thoughts, most, not all, but most of your thoughts 
happen to you. All of our thoughts are language based. So we don't have a lot of thoughts until we develop language. You don't see two-year-olds who sit around and think and contemplate the universe. I mean, they don't have a lot of judgment for the people around them. They might learn how to not trust somebody, but they don't have the language skills to tell themselves stories. And as adults, we don't realize that our reality is one big story. It's 95% story. The matrix that we're all trying to escape is built on our subconscious beliefs. The matrix is the filter that colors our perceptions of the outside world. The matrix is how we interpret what we see. It's the stories that we're telling ourselves about what's happening and what it means. And whatever we're thinking about what it means is then how we feel and how we react. And the more people that agree with the same story, the more powerful the matrix becomes. And then we get super confused and think that, you know, the, the world that we we're perceiving is out there when in fact it's, it's inside of us. And why we are confused is because so many other people agree with the same story. But if you would transfer yourself to another country where you don't speak the language or into another culture where everything means something different, you, you would be able to see immediately that meaning is imagined. Meaning is a product of our imagination. It happens in our mind. Nothing in the real world has inherent objective meaning. Meaning is language-based. Think about it. Most of what you know about the outside world at this point is fed to you through a screen. It's all stories of who's winning, who's losing, what something that happened yesterday means about today or tomorrow. It's a little bit of data and a whole lot of story. We're being told what to think and how to think about it. And the thing is, is there is no such thing as a true story. A story by definition is a container of context. It highlights data that's relevant to the points of views of the narrators. There's a beginning and an end. There's conflict and foreshadowing and a resolution. All stories have an agenda. They have a purpose. They are supposed to create a reaction, a lesson. They're designed to influence the thoughts and feelings and behaviors of the person hearing the story. Stories communicate meaning because without language, nothing would mean anything. You know, that's why we say ignorance is bliss, because if you don't know something exists, it can't affect you, meaning that you would have no thoughts or feelings and you wouldn't take any action. And I say it can't affect you. Of course, things you don't know can still have an effect on you. You know, you may not know that you've been discriminated against, for example. Um, but there's pros and cons to knowing. Because if you don't know that discrimination is in play, then yeah, you can't take action to right the wrong. However, you also wouldn't suffer emotionally 
with anger and resentment and catastrophic thinking like the system is rigged and nothing is fair and you'll never get ahead no matter what you do. And as I'm about to show you, those thoughts, the anger and the resentment, do far more to predict the future. In fact, they become a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you think of yourself as a victim and you believe that someone else has your power or power over you, then you act like a person with no power, regardless of there being any measurable imbalance in power. You tell yourself that there's nothing you can do. You are stuck. There's no options. So what do you do about that? You wait, you complain, you suffer, and in doing so, you miss the fact that there are always options. There is always another perspective. Even when another person or a system believes they have power, you don't have to agree. You don't have to behave as though that is true. Remember what I said, there's no such thing as a true story. And if you don't agree that something is bad or wrong or it's the end, and you realize that you're free to create a story that serves you, like maybe this end is actually a beginning. Maybe this problem is actually a challenge. You know, when you change the story in a way that it uplifts your heart and moves you into action that is productive and meaningful to you, then you become the creator. You become the author of your own life. And so the first step to steering your stream of consciousness or changing the default of your thoughts is to know the difference between stream of consciousness and an original thought. So science shows that we have about 60,000 thoughts every single day. 80% of what we think is negative and 95% or more of what we think is repeats. We're basically just thinking the same thing over and over and over. And the more we think something, the more ingrained that neural pathway is. And it becomes automatic. It becomes subconscious. You know, our brain automates everything because if it didn't and we had to rethink and re-examine every piece of data, we wouldn't be able to get out of bed in the morning. So our survival depends on our ability to make good assumptions. And that is where beliefs come in. You know, belief is just a thought we no longer think about. We don't question it. We don't notice it. We assume it's true. And as emotions what we are what we feel in our body, those are just the sensations of thoughts. The more familiar a thought is, the more it feels true in our body. And so the first step to harnessing the power of your brain is awareness, to become aware that there's a difference between the thoughts going through your brain and when you're actually powering your brain. You know, the difference between the tail wag and the dog or the dog wagging the tail. Most of the time, the tail's wagging the dog. 85% of the time, 90% of our thoughts, they are just words that we've heard, ideas we've been exposed to, thoughts we've thought before, suggestions from culture and marketing and religion and politics and all of the things. Awareness is just knowing the difference between when you are using your brain and when your brain is just running on autopilot. 
Awareness is simply accepting that your brain operates on default mode unless you consciously shift into choosing your own thoughts and learn and develop the skill of thinking new thoughts on purpose. It's very similar to breathing. You know how breathing is the only involuntary function in our bodies that we can also control? So we can choose to hold our breath, we can breathe through our nose or through our mouth, we can breathe shallow or deeper, but when we're not paying attention to our breathing, our body just does that. And thoughts are the same way. You can't help what you think on default mode, at least in the beginning, but you can choose to shift out of default mode, become aware of how your thoughts are affecting you and reprogram your brain so that new thought patterns become the default. It's a lifelong journey though. Like you don't ever like get all this figured out. There's always subconscious beliefs that even if you chose them at one time, at some point they no longer serve you and you have to re-examine them. And that's how we learn to use our emotions. You know, this is kind of like learning how to juggle, learning how to feel and learning how to think and learning how to take action on the world and walk and talk at the same time. Like, yeah, this is a lot, but we can train our brains to respond in different ways, but we have to become aware that we are actually doing things in response to our thoughts. We have to become aware of where our thoughts are coming from. And the way you do that, quite frankly, is mindfulness. You just start listening to your thoughts and pro tip, the way you tune into your thoughts, this is the whole purpose of having our emotions. Our emotions don't tell us what's wrong with the outside world. Our emotions alert us to the fact that inside we've got conflicting beliefs or, you know, there's a boundary we're not respecting or we're saying one thing and doing the opposite. Emotions serve as an indicator light on our dashboard. And so for me, I have learned to use my emotions so that when I start feeling icky or frustrated or angry or sad or whatever the thing it is that I'm feeling, I pause and I say, oh, what's going on in my brain? Instead of getting caught up in some story about something that doesn't work, something never works, you know, I'm being rejected or I'm being left out or I'm getting screwed. Instead of moving into the content of my story, I, I use my emotions as an alert, as a fire alarm, if you will, to start looking within to see what thoughts and beliefs are conflicting or what is creating the, the negative emotion. My feelings prompt me to step out of my story so that I can evaluate it for flaws or contradictions or discrepancies or you know conflicting beliefs. And so I wanna start with a very simple example that if you take nothing away from this episode, this is the trick that will get you 80% of where you wanna go. And that is to start noticing when you say the words, I can't. We say it all the time. You know, do you wanna meet for dinner? Oh, I can't. The thing is, you can. And part of the way words resonate in our bodies, so our thoughts actually create our emotions, the more you hear yourself say, I can't, 
the more that creates an emotional energy. And when you're in, I can't. Like, think about how you feel if you really want to do something and you can't. Like, think about that feeling. It feels there's resistance there. There's disappointment there. There's frustration. I mean, there's a whole spectrum of emotions. But when you are experiencing emotions of I can't, then you don't can you you don't go do things that you can so even saying i can't have a drink for example that is so limiting and when you say i can't once again you start to feel resistance that inner rebellious teenager comes out it's like what do you mean i can't for sure i can and when you reclaim your power with your language it changes the way you feel about a situation so at some point, I crossed a threshold um, with sobriety where I told myself, I can have a drink anytime I want, anytime I want. Like, it's fine. My brain is healed. I have for sure broken the cycle of addiction. I've learned everything I need to know about alcohol. I have full and complete confidence that if I wanted to have a drink, it would be fine. Even if I didn't enjoy it or if it wasn't fine, I would figure that out and be fine. Okay, so I gave myself full permission to have a drink. Well, gosh, you know, have you ever had a child where you kind of bestowed on them some power and they took that shit really seriously and got really thoughtful about, you know, how they were wielding their power? Well, I had the same response in my body to me telling myself that I can have a drink. All of a sudden I was like, oh, well, you know, do I really want to drink? Would that be good for me right now? Uh, would it interrupt my sleep? Instead of feeling like a rebellious teenager, my inner adult came in like, we need to make a good decision here. You know, if I'm wanting a drink, what is it that I really want? You know, the last time I thought about having a drink for, I think it was about 10 to 15 minutes, I was actually thinking about it. And then I realized, oh wait, I'm just not having fun. And I would just rather go home. <laughs> I didn't want to drink. I was just bored, you know? And so I, I've educated myself enough about alcohol that I don't fall under the, the trap that alcohol is going to make a bad situation better. No, it'll just make me numb, dumb, probably say something I don't want to say, or at the very least interrupt my night's sleep and possibly, you know, make me feel less awesome tomorrow. So I'm not trading a boring night and ruining tomorrow over it too, just because I don't have the confidence to say, I'm done here, check please, and I'm going home. So stopping saying the words, I can't, is a huge power move in recognizing that you actually do have a lot more choices that, than you can. When you say, I can't, you close off possibility. And in it, what I would recommend is to start using more powerful language. So if I say, um, do you want to go out for dinner? Instead of saying, I can't, you might say, oh, I'd love to, but I've already made plans or I'm choosing to do something else. My favorite thing is I'm really busy not doing that <laughs> when I don't want to do something. I'm like, yeah, I would go, but I, I'm not going to because I'm busy doing something else. Let's look at another example. Um, most of us have dealt with needing to lose weight. And 
coming up against that scenario, we, we often, if we find ourselves stuck or at a plateau or, you know, can't even get started, we say, I can't lose weight. No matter what I do, I can't lose the weight. And just think about how that feels inside your body, okay? When the truth is you haven't chosen to take corrective action, you're not doing what you know you need to do, you're choosing to show up with excuses, or you truly have done everything that you need to do, and it's still not working, and therefore you need to explore other solutions, such as saying, I need to see my doctor or hire a coach to help me figure out what I'm missing. Do you see how much more powerful that is? Saying, I can't lose weight no matter what I do, dooms you. And when you feel powerless, what do you do? You go get the bag of chips because it doesn't matter what you do anyway. You believe it. I mean, these are basic self-fulfilling prophecies. And we've, we've heard and understand the term, but this is how reality creates. It doesn't sometimes happen. It always happens. We create our own reality. Whatever we say becomes true. The results of our actions always prove our thoughts true. And becoming aware of phrases like I can't has been a huge game changer for me. I listen for words like, or for phrases like, I don't know. Whenever I hear myself say, I don't know, I stop. Like I've got that pinned, I've got a notification in my bio brain to alert me when my mouth or my words in my brain say, I don't know. For example, some of you may have heard you know, me talk about how all of a sudden I hit this huge roadblock with my emails and that's really complicated. My emails were all going into spam, not all of them, but 90% is real close to all and 100% of Gmails. They, anytime I sent out you know, a blog or information about the podcast or I did a challenge and people signed up and then I sent them emails with Zoom links, they never got them. 100% of my Gmail people never got them. And you know, I've done really everything I can within my own scope of technical ability to solve the problem and nothing I do was working. And so I found myself saying, I don't know, you know, I can't do this. I can't run a business like this and I'm stuck and I'm screwed. This is impossible. I can't deal with this. You know, I didn't, I fell short of saying I'm the problem. I'm an idiot. I'm crazy, but I truly was using language in my brain that was very unempowering. And so when I realized that saying, I don't know, and I can't do this, I can't run my business like this, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Like, you're telling me that in the whole world, all the people who run successful businesses, nobody's ever had to deal with this? I stopped myself from saying, I don't know, and I started to say, I'm gonna do whatever it takes to figure it out. This is a technical problem. So there's a technical solution. And I can find somebody out there to solve this problem, to forensically analyze what's going on with my server or my DNS, like I don't even know what all that stuff is. But I found that 
I was getting so frustrated with the situation. And when I shifted my language to, well, I'm going to do three things today to look into a solution, you know, and I just measured my success by how I was showing up by my resilience, by my determination, by my consistency and my persistency. Instead of shutting myself down with declarative statements that pigeonhole me into failure or doom me into not being able to do what I want to do, I moved into declarations of my own power. You know, I can solve this problem. I can find the support people to help me with this. There is a solution to this problem. I just haven't figured it out yet. And goddamn good for me for showing up and continuing to work on it. So I just, I, I recognize the power of language in my brain and I'm very careful. And this has been a game changer. I found a company that can help me with the emails. I know what I need to do moving forward and it's all going to be okay. And I feel super confident that when mind boggling, mind breaking, you know, technical problems arise, I have the ability to solve that problem. And I could have spent time more than I did. Of course I did some, but I could have spent a lot more time and even given up like that could have been the end of my business. That could have been what separates the successes from the failures is for me to have seen that challenge as an obstacle I couldn't overcome instead of being like, whatever challenge accepted, let's do this. So the first step in steering your stream of consciousness or changing your default thought patterns is to notice them. I recommend like write these down or pick a couple of them, but the, I can't start noticing every time you say the words, I can't become familiar with the way the words I can't feel in your body. And just again, put a notification into your bio brain so that whenever you feel that feeling, you're like, oh wait, what am I saying? But notice when you say the words, I can't notice when you're saying, I don't know and relanguage that notice when you're saying, I can't do this or nothing ever works for me. Get familiar with your default go-tos. Like I'm stuck. I'm overwhelmed. I'm screwed. This is impossible. I can't deal with this. This is too much. Or if you have a lot of negative self-talk, you know, and it's more internalized, the, the words like I'm an idiot or I'm crazy or I'm stupid or I'm not capable or I'm not good enough or whatever. You know, I always tend to have um, more external negative talks, like where I'm blaming the world because this is impossible. Whereas some people deal with that and or deal with just a lot of negative self-talk and start relanguaging that. You know, when you're experiencing anxiety, instead of saying I'm anxious or I'm depressed or whatever it is, say, put some distance with language. I'm experiencing anxiety because think about the difference. I'm anxious. That's your identity. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm experiencing anxiety alerts your brain to there's, there's a bit of a problem here. You know, I am low on gas. Doesn't mean we throw away the car. 
I am having, or I am experiencing anxiety alerts you. Okay, so what do you need? Do you need to take a break? Do you need to, to stop what you're doing? Um, you know, and that's the other thing with once you give yourself the power, then you have to use it. So when you hear yourself say, this is overwhelming, okay, then what are you going to do about it? Instead of, I can't do anything about that. Well, I'm going to find a way to reduce my overwhelm. Well, now you've got yourself a job to do. Now you've got yourself some accountability and this is how your life changes. Because the more you can take responsibility for the way you're feeling as being a product of your own language and your language is determining what actions you are and are not taking, well suddenly, gosh, you're your own biggest problem. But the good news is you're also your own solution. Here's another word that I've banned from my vocabulary. And I got it. I heard this on Dr. Phil, I don't know, like 25 years ago. And I'm not a huge fan of that guy, but he, he was the one who pointed out that the word but basically negates everything that you said prior to the but. So, you know, basic life goals. I want to make more money or I want to be more organized, or I want to lose weight, or I want to take better care of myself, but anything that comes after that means you didn't really mean what you just said. But I don't have enough time. But my spouse doesn't pull his weight. But my kids have so many activities. But I don't have the energy, or whatever. The word but disqualifies everything that comes before it. So start noticing, hearing yourself say the word but, and then again, put a notification into your brain, excuse alert, excuse alert. The first step is just the smallest mental shift in relanguaging it from a problem to solution-based thinking. Because our brain is like a puppy that wants to chew. It's a biological problem-solving machine. It's going to try to solve whatever problem you give it. So let's say you feed your brain computer the question, why can't I do this? What's wrong with me? Well, the answers that are going to be generated by our brain will be reasons why you can't do it and a companion list of things that are wrong with you. So just like you have to give the puppy a bone so it doesn't chew your woodwork and chew your shoes, you have to give your brain productive direction. Asking yourself, what do I need to figure this out? What am I making this mean? And what else could be true? What support can I get myself to solve this problem? Where are my priorities out of whack? and what's really important to me. That is a question that suddenly your brain lights up like, oh, well, let me figure this out. Just take a moment and you know try how those words or those questions resonate in your body. When you think the thought, why can't I do this? What's wrong with me? That feels negative, okay? When you think, what do I need to figure that out how to do this? What are the logistical challenges that I'm facing? What resources do I have to work with? How important is this to me? 
What am I willing to do to make it happen? That's a, an invitation to be creative. That's an invitation to take actions that move you in the right direction. Where why can't I do this and what is wrong with me is an invitation to pour yourself a drink, grab the bag of chips, and just go drown your sorrows in front of Netflix. I do want to make a note that there is a difference between solution-based thinking and toxic positivity. Toxic positivity is basically refusing to accept that there is a real problem or demanding that you bypass all of your feelings and just smile through all the bullshit. Toxic positivity would have been me telling myself that not being able to solve my email problem, that I'm still a good person and I'm still smart and that it's okay and that I should just go write down all the things I'm grateful for. That's toxic positivity. Solution-based thinking, however, begins with acceptance of what is and simply detaching the meaning from that, not telling yourself a story about it. So in my example of the email situation, I accepted that I had a 90% spam rate. I did not extrapolate that into a story that I'm never going to be successful and that this is bullshit and the system is rigged and only the big players get to play. That would be me making a story about the fact that I had a 90% spam rate. When in fact, if I just started by accepting it is what it is and then asking myself what resources I needed to solve that problem, then I got to work. Then I got real busy figuring it out. Weight loss is another area where we can fall victim to toxic positivity. And as our culture is rightly placing a higher priority these days on mental health, what we're often hearing is that if we want to lose weight, we have to love and accept ourselves at the weight we are. And that sounds great that we should love and accept ourselves as we are. And ultimately it's true, but here's the problem. Our problem solving brains get in the way and they say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. I've fallen for this before. If I love and accept myself at this weight, then I'm not gonna change it. And so we resist loving ourselves because we feel like that's accepting it. But I want to remind you there's a difference between acceptance and tolerance. Acceptance is not the same as settling for less than we want. And the truth is you can't change what you don't first accept. But the conundrum is that once you accept it, how do you change it? And the trick, honestly, is to change the words. And this is so much more than about semantics. This is about the energy that you feel in your body when you think and say certain words. You don't have to love the weight that you are at in order to accept it, okay? You can accept it and say, what, what support systems do I need? What answers do I need? Where is my solution at? But you can be loving to your body at the weight you're at. 
same as you would if it was a child or a friend who needs to lose weight. You don't love your child less because they need to lose weight. In fact, your heart goes out to them. You want to help them. You want to support them because you love them. You want them to be happy and you want them to take actions to make the changes that they need and you encourage them to get it right. Okay, so you don't have to love the weight you're at, but you can't change it until you accept it. And what it looks like when you stay in resistance, you're telling yourself with words, I shouldn't be this heavy. I'll feel better. I'll love myself when I lose the weight. Waiting to feel better till after you lose the weight, well, it just really doesn't work that way. When you're telling yourself that you should weigh less than you do, your brain wants to solve the problem as to why that is. And again, it's going to generate a list of ways you suck, you have no willpower, and you're never going to change. When you accept that you have the weight and that you can love your body in this moment and take care of yourself, then you feel inspired to look for solutions, to ask for help. Because it's not really about losing the weight. It's about your ability to take care of yourself, to become your own best friend, to change your story, to shift your focus from problem to solution, to realize that no problem has the power to define you when you have the power to redefine the problem. So I encourage you to Start listening in on your own thoughts. Stop believing them so much and get familiar with your top five predictable emotional habits and the narratives that go into your head. What are the stories that you tell yourself the most? And then notice how those thoughts and stories make you feel. Start connecting the dots between what you think and what you feel. And then the next dot is what you do or don't do because of what you feel, because of what you thought. You know, it's all connected. And so noticing when you're telling yourself you're overwhelmed, you're creating the overwhelm with your thoughts and your behaviors versus when you accept the fact that you are overwhelmed and show up willing to do something about it. Acknowledging that your overwhelm is your responsibility and setting an intention to take care of yourself. Empowering yourself to say, I got this. Self-fulfilling prophecies are not a concept for children's books. They're the real deal all day long, every day inside of our brain. And so don't believe me. Don't believe a word I say. Start noticing. Listen in on your thoughts, keep track of your stories, and start shifting into more solution-based thinking and ban the words, I can't, I don't know, I'm stuck, I'm an idiot, like just ban those. And when you catch yourself saying them, because you will, because your brain's going to go on to default, you cannot be aware 24-7, but when you catch yourself thinking those, stop and relanguage them and just see the power this has to change your life immediately. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please take the time to rate and review the show so that other people can find it. I really appreciate it. 
And check out the show notes for any resources I've mentioned, including links to follow me on Instagram and join my private Facebook group where I connect with my tribe every day. I love it in there and we have so much fun. And finally, if you're ready to redefine sobriety so that you can feel excited about quitting drinking, follow the link to my 10 Days to Spontaneous Sobriety course, where I will help you eliminate, eradicate, obliterate, cancel your desire to drink. Because looking and feeling your best is addictive too. I'll see you soon.